0: This week, we are going to start on a new series on prayer. Now, you know prayer was such an important part of Jesus' life, correct? And thus, it is crucial to our life. And today, I will kick off the series on what is prayer and why we need to pray. In the next few weeks, different people will share with you the various aspects or the different kinds of prayers. We will start with the Lord's Prayer, uh, Esther will uh, share about it, Praying in Tongues by Pastor Andrew, the beauty of wordless prayer, and even journeying through unanswered prayer with Pastor Kevin. So it's going to be exciting. Amen? You know, to prepare for a message on a topic of prayer is truly intimidating. You know, no one ever feels qualified to speak on this topic because it is so big. See, no one one can ever claim that they are an expert on prayer. In fact, everyone struggles with it. It is a lifelong quest of learning and discovering but it is such a crucial part of our Christian walk. And so as I preach this message today, I am preaching to myself, and I'm also still a student on prayer. Amen. Amen. So in preparation of this message, I want to acknowledge the brilliant book on prayer by Timothy Keller, which uh, helped, uh, very much helped uh, me to formulate and prepare for this message today. And so tell your neighbor, be blessed. Okay, you ready for the message? All right. So what is prayer? You know, over the years, many have written and argued about what prayer is about. One view emphasizes that prayer is a means to experience God's love and intimacy with Him. That through prayer, we experience peace and rest in God. Now, this view is what we call communion-centered prayer. I want you to, I want you to nudge your neighbor say, uh, we like this kind of prayer. Yeah, especially charismatics, you know, we like this kind of prayer, you know, we like the experience of it, you know, the peace, the rest, the joy. right, charismatics, okay? Now, another view on the other hand, emphasizes that the highest aim of prayer is the struggle to call for the kingdom of God to come to fruition in the world and also in our lives. Now, this view criticizes the experience and sense of God as Christian mysticism. (laughs) Wah, is all charismatic or all these charismatics are all about the experience, you know, all about the feeling, you know. They call it Christian mysticism that the goal of experiencing the love and intimacy of personal communion is ultimately selfish and self-serving Now in such prayers the absence of the presence of God is actually pretty normal Right now prayer is viewed like the struggle of a wrestling match now this view is called kingdom-centered prayer So which view of prayer is actually the better one? The answer is not either or but actually both at once Now in Psalms, the inspired book of prayer in the Bible, we see examples of both kinds of prayers. Now Psalms 27, 63, 84 and 131 are examples of intimate, adoring communion with God. Now in Psalms 27, David says that there is one primary thing he asks of the Lord in prayer, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Now while David did did in fact pray for other things, he expresses that nothing is better than to know the presence of God. Now in Psalm 63, David says, My soul thirsts for you. I have seen you in a sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. And thus, I will praise you. Now when he adores God, he says his soul is satisfied with the richest of foods. Now this is indeed the communion with God. There are, however, also psalms of complaints, of cries for help, of calls for God to exercise His power in the world. Now, in these psalms, the author experiences, experiences deep absences of God's presence. And it is here that we see prayer as a struggle. Psalms 10, 88, 42 to 43 are just a few examples. Now, Psalms 10 begins by asking why God stands afar off and hides Himself in times of trouble. The author cries, Arise, Lord, lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. Now the prayer ends with the psalmist surrendering to God's timing and wisdom in all matters, yet still fiercely calling out for justice on earth. This is the wrestling of the kingdom-centered prayer. Now the book of Psalms thus affirms and shows us that prayers are both communion and kingdom-seeking. Now in the Lord's prayer in the New Testament, Jesus teaches us that To pray hallowed be thy name which is to praise God and to ask him to show the world his glory now adoring God is combined with petition as well as supplication so just as seeking the intimacy or communion contains the struggle of appeals to God so the struggle of seeking God's kingdom must include prayer to know God intimately both have to go on together finally the Westminster shorter catechism famously poses this question what is the chief end of man the answer man's chief end is to glorify god and to enjoy him forever you see those two things glorifying god and enjoying god must in the end be the same thing you see we pray for the coming of god's kingdom but if we don't enjoy god supremely with all our being we are not truly honouring Him as Lord. What then, friends, should prayer be? Prayer is is thus both conversation and encounter with God. See, we must know the awe of praising His glory, the intimacy of finding His grace, and the struggle of asking for His help, all of which lead us to know the spiritual reality of His presence. Prayer, then, is both awe and intimacy struggle and reality now that i've shared with you what is prayer the next question is why pray you see in ephesians uh, chapter 1 15 to 19 apostle paul says this for this reason ever since i heard your faith in the lord jesus and your love for all god's people i have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers i keep asking that the god of our lord jesus christ The glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know Him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people, and His incomparably great power for us who believe. You see, it is remarkable that in all of his writings, Paul's prayers for his friends don't contain any appeals for a change in their circumstances. They live in the midst of many dangers and hardships. They face persecution, death from diseases, oppressions, and separation from loved ones. Yet in all of these prayers, you do not see one request or one appeal for a better king, for protection from enemies, or even bread for the next meal. Paul does not pray for those things that would usually be at the top of our list. You see, does that mean that it is wrong to pray for all these things? Not at all. In fact, when Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, the model which we all should follow, He invites us to ask for our daily bread and that God would deliver us from evil. And Paul also tells us in 1 Timothy 2 to pray for peace, for good government and for the needs of the world. Paul is asking us to discover what he believed was the most important thing God could give us when we pray, that you may know him better you see friends to know him better is to have our eyes to have the eyes of our hearts enlightened you see the heart yeah our heart is a control center of our feelings our thinking and also our behavior it is where our core commitments our deepest loves and our most foundational hopes reside to have the eyes of our hearts enlightened means to have a particular truth penetrate and grip us so deeply it changes the whole person let me give an example now how do you avoid you often question yourself you know how do you avoid sin or stop doing things that displeases or this and dishonest God you know the answer is really by experiencing his holiness you see when you experience the beauty and wonder of his holiness you naturally want to avoid sin see you want to be holy because God is holy and so this enlightenment only comes through prayer now in verse 18 Paul asked the Holy Spirit to give us the power to know the hope of his calling the riches of his inheritance and the power to those who believe now the reality of this past present and future benefits can only be fully experienced and grasped through prayer and so Paul sees that to know God is more crucial than a change of circumstances. Because otherwise, if all our prayers are answered and everything is good, this would lead to overconfidence and also indifference in our lives. You see, who needs God when everything is going great? Or God becomes someone we go to only to get things or to ask things from. On the other hand, when things are bad, when you go through tough times, if you do not know God deeply, you would be devastated and greatly discouraged. Why? Because the love of God, the, His comforting presence, His purpose for you in this trial and suffering, His plan for a future and a hope for you would only be a concept rather than a reality. You see, we all know someone who stopped believing, stopped believing in God the moment they face hard times. Am I right or not? You know, all of us have... Um, uh, we all were saved, you know. Many years ago, some of us, different times, you know. Uh, the first time we got saved, when we first received Christ as our Savior. Every time we pray, right, all our answers, uh, all our prayers gonna answer one correct, right? It's like the Chinese saying, you know, "一百次我 pray, All right, God seems to answer all your prayers, but you realize that after a while, right, your prayers are not being answered anymore. God stops answering your prayers. Why does He do that? because he wants you to experience the reality of Jesus. He wants you to experience his reality, and not just a concept. Amen, all right? So, we need to pray. Therefore, to face any of life's circumstances, the good and the bad, we need to know God better above all else. Now secondly, Paul also wants, us to, show, also wants to show us that prayer is not just a way to get things from God, but a way to get more of God himself. You see, prayer is striving to take hold of God. Isaiah 64 verse 7 says this. Now, by praying this way, Paul wants us to prioritize the inner life with God. Now, why? Because most of us us base our inner life on outward circumstances. You see, our peace depends on other people's valuation on us, on our social status, our prosperity, and our performance. You see, we are easily affected by how things are going on in the world. You see, we Christians do this as much as anyone. We are as guilty as the non-Christians in this. You see, Paul is teaching us that our lives have to be based on God's steadfast love. Otherwise, our happiness, our faith, our identity, even our self-worth will be based by what others think and say of us. You see, if we focus only on the outer life, our inner life will be dark, and it will be scary see we will not know what to do with solitude see we will be we will be deeply uncomfortable with self-examination and we will have an increasingly short attention span for any kind of a reflection ask yourself today when you're quiet how do you feel when you come to god in prayer is your mind restless is your heart restless you know i'm sharing with you with this i've got to be honest with you i'm struggling with this too you know whenever I go to God in prayer you know my mind goes everywhere I cannot sit down I can only sit down if I turn open my iPad and look at Facebook or look at YouTube that is where I calm down but when I shut my mind off and want to spend time with God in prayer my mind becomes so restless it's going anywhere see most of us no longer know what it means to have solitude to spend time with God that is why we need to pray we need to spend time more in prayer we need to discipline ourselves in prayer. Amen. Amen. Now, even more seriously, our lives will lack integrity. You see, outwardly, we will need to project a facade of confidence that spiritually and emotionally we are healthy and wholesome. But actually, truthfully, inwardly, we are actually filled with doubts, anxieties, self pity, and even grudges. You see, your life will be empty and miserable. If we do not know how to go into the inner rooms of the heart to see clearly what is there and to deal with it, we will turn ourselves into hypocrites. This again is why prayer to know God better is more important purpose and goal than any other. And so friends, why is prayer so great? Because the Bible says so. (laughs) Amen. You see, the Bible is one long testimony of this truth. See, in the book of Genesis, we see every one of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of them praying. See, Abraham prayed tenaciously for mercy for Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen, you remember that? In Exodus, Moses prayed for the liberation of Israel from Egypt and prayer made Israel great. You see, to fail to pray, then, is not only to break some religious rule, it is a failure to treat God as God. It is a sin against His glory. You know, Prophet Samuel says this to his people, Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. King David composed much of the Psalms, God's inspired prayer book filled with appeals to you who answer prayer his son Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem and then dedicated it with a magnificent prayer Solomon's main petition for the temple was that from it God would hear his people's prayers indeed Solomon's highest prayer was for the gift of prayer itself the book of Job which we learned a few probably a month ago is an account of job's suffering and pain work through with prayer now see prayer permeated the ministry of all the Old Testament prophets it probably was the ordinary means by which the Word of God came to them you see the protection and return from exile of the Jews in Babylon was essentially carried out through prayer Daniel you remember Daniel right nearly executed by the Babylonians because he wanted to pray three times a day praise a prayer of repentance for his people Asked for their return and is heard. Later, Nehemiah rebuilds the wall around Jerusalem with wise leadership mixed with a series of great prayers. Jesus Christ taught us, taught his disciples to pray. Heal people with prayers. Condemn the corruption of the temple, which he said should be a house of prayer. Insisted that some demons could only be cast out through prayer. He often prayed with fervent cries and tears and sometimes all night. The Holy Spirit came upon him and anointed him as he was praying, and he was transfigured with the divine glory as he prayed. When he faced his greatest crisis, he did so with prayer. We hear him praying for his disciples and the church on the night before he died, and then petitioning God in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. Finally on the cross, Jesus died praying and that's not the end immediately after the Lord's death the disciples prepare for the future by being constantly in prayer together all church gatherings are devoted to prayer the power of the Holy Spirit descends on the early Christians in response to powerful prayer and leaders are selected and pointed only through prayer All Christians are expected to have a regular, faithful, devoted, fervent prayer life. Finally, in the book of Acts, prayer is one of the main signs that the Spirit has come into the heart through the faith in Christ. The Spirit gives us the confidence and desire to pray to God and enables us to pray even when we don't know what to say. Paul teaches us that we should pray without ceasing. Prayer. Prayer is so great that wherever you look in the Bible, it is there. Why? Because everywhere God is, prayer is. Since God is everywhere, so prayer must permeate, must permeate every area of our lives. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a big hand. You know, one of the... um, greatest descriptions of prayer um, is a poem written by uh, George Herbert all right George uh, Herbert, I'm not Josh earlier yeah? just don't make a mistake all right <laughs> you know it is a really beautiful poem um, I, I'm really not a, a poem reader okay I'm not lyrical you know I'm not articulate it is but uh, what I want you to do is uh, as I read this uh, poem today I want you to look at the screen and just Uh, Really let that poem uh, sink in um, into our hearts. Amen. And just enjoy this experience. Amen. What is prayer? Prayer is the church's banquet, angels' age, God's breath in man returning to his birth, the soul in paraphrase, the heart in pilgrimage. See the Christian plummet-sounding heaven and earth Engine against the Almighty A sinner's tower It is reverse thunder Christside side piercing spear The six days world transposing in an hour A kind of a tune Which all things hear and fear Prayer is softness and peace and joy and love and bliss prayer is exalted manner gladness of the best heaven in ordinary man well dressed prayer is the milky way the bird of paradise church bells beyond the stars heard it is the soul's blood the land of spices, something understood. Now, what does this beautiful poem tell us about prayer? See, friends, prayer is God's breath in man returning to his birth. You find that many who are non-religious, even non-believers, find themselves praying in times of need, even though they don't formally believe in God. You see, the Hebrew word for spirit and breath is actually the same. And so there is something in us from God that knows we are not alone in the universe. And that we are not meant to go at it alone. Prayer is thus a natural human instinct. You see, prayer can also be softness and peace and joy and love and bliss the deep rest of the soul that we need. You see, it is, a soul, it is the soul's blood, the source of strength and vitality. The true prayer in Jesus' name and trust in His salvation become come as men well-dressed, spiritually fit for the presence of the King. That is why we can sit down with Him at the church's banquet. You see, feasts were never merely meant to just feed, but a sign and a means of acceptance and fellowship with the host. Prayer is thus nourishing friendship. Prayer is a kind of a tune. See, it tunes your heart to God. See, singing engages the whole being. The heart through music, the mind through the words, See, prayers are a tune others can hear beside you. When your heart has been tuned to God, your joy has an effect on those around you. You are not proud, you are not cold, anxious or bored. But instead, you are warm, you are forgiving, profoundly at peace and filled with interest. And others will notice, all hear and fear. And thus, prayer changes those around us. Prayer can also be a land of spices, a place of sensory overload, of exotic scents and taste, and a Milky Way, a place of marvels and wonders. When that happens, prayer is truly of angel's age, an experience of timeless eternity. Yet no one in history has found that land of spices quickly or easily. You see, prayer is a heart in pilgrimage, a long, difficult and exhausting trek. You see, to be in pilgrimage is to have not yet arrived. There is a longing in prayer that is never fulfilled in this life. And sometimes the deep satisfactions we are looking for in prayer feels, feels very few and far in between. Prayer is thus a journey. In spiritually lean times prayer can serve as a kind of heavenly manna and quiet gladness that keeps us going just as the manna in the wilderness kept Israel moving forward in his hope you see manna was simple food savory yes but hardly a banquet yet it sustained them wonderfully a kind of a traveler's bread that brought an inner endurance Prayer does, helps us to endure. See, one reason prayer is so hard, it's so arduous, is because true prayer is a soul, in paraphrase. See, God does not merely require our petitions, but also ourselves. And no one who begins a lifelong journey of prayer knows at the start who they are. Nothing but prayer will reveal you to yourself. Because only before God can you see and become your true self. See, to paraphrase something is to get the gist of it and make it accessible. Prayer is learning who you are before God and giving Him your essence. Prayer means knowing yourself as well as God. Prayer is not all quiet, peace and fellowship. It is also an engine against the Almighty. The Bible contains laments, petitions, pleadings to God, complaints, and prayers against the evils of the world. And they are not in vain, for they are the church bells beyond the stars heard. It is reverse thunder, and thus prayer changes things. Yet prayer is also a sinner's tower. You see, an arrogant spirit cannot rightly enter into God's presence. It is only through Christ's forgiveness and His righteousness not our own can we go before Him You see, prayer is Christ's side piercing spear at the crucifixion gushing out the blood that cleanses and the water that revives Prayer is our refuge Prayer is the 6 days world transposing in an hour. You know, the six days is the work week of ordinary life. Yet one hour of prayer completely transposes all of it, bringing heaven into the ordinary, letting us see the world differently, even in the most menial and trivial daily tasks. Prayer thus changes us. Prayer is a plummet-sounding heaven and earth. That means it can plunge us into the deep things of God. The indescribable journey that takes us through the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of Christ's saving love for us. Prayer unites us with God and Himself. And so church, how does this poem end? It says that true prayer something not everything is understood because as apostle paul says in this world we see things only in part you see prayer gradually clears our vision see when the psalmist was spiraling in despair facing so much difficulty in his life he went in prayer to the sanctuary of god and then he understood That is the beauty of prayer. You know, friends, all of us have our stories of salvation, how we got to know Christ. You know, years ago, um, at the age of 16, not 16 years ago, age of 16, okay. (laughs) With a simple prayer, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You know, in the years since it was with prayer that I journeyed through every season of life, from the milestones to the ordinary, the highs and the lows. There were were the ecstasy and blessedness of having prayers answered, but also there was a struggle, the disappointment, and sometimes the bitterness of those unanswered. But so often I found those answers answers much later Just not in the way I imagined But always better and greater See, whenever I was in doubt Through prayer, He showed the way forward In suffering and trials, He walked beside me In setbacks and defeats, He carried and raised me up again But in all of it, through it all he always showed himself sometimes powerfully by great signs and wonders sometimes quietly that i can't even tell where he is god where are you but through this journey of prayer i have come to know him better and so friends prayer Is the only entryway into genuine self-knowledge see it is the main way we experience deep change the reordering of our loves and also our priorities you see prayer is how God gives us so many of the unimaginable things he has for us you see prayer makes it safe for God to give us many of the things we most desire it is the way we know God. The way we finally treat God as God. You see, prayer is simply the key to everything we need to do and be in life. We must learn to pray. We have to. Prayer is thus awe, intimacy, and struggle, yet the way to reality. You see, there is nothing more important or harder or richer or more life changing. See, friends, there is absolutely nothing so great as prayer. Amen. Amen. Let us pray.